0: You're, you're listening, listening to the Creative, Creative riding, riding Motorcycle, motorcycle podcast. podcast. Pop, Pop a, a beer, beer and throw, throw an earbud, earbud in your ear. Now, here's, here's your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. And uh, isn't that funny, funny how line. people say not to be an asshole, yeah, but you're yeah, going to go on to be an asshole? My skin met the asphalt, but these new ki- new ways kit my... Alright, a couple of blurbs. Oh, Whatever they do with cocaine... <laughs> The, the victims. Victims. I mean gas. It's usually such a set up but they like how it looks. It's a cafe racer with alloy manx racing tank, and clip-ons and all that jazz. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Um, so I'm familiar with the long hours and the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos is just leaping down the street every day um, Alright, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Or else yeah, you did, just do love the kids." I don't have it perfected I have to stop talking shit The more I talk it, the more my bike messes up My wife's like, you're 41 and started a race career I'm like, yeah, and it's amazing yeah. Alright, well now you know what you're in for I do this show with no clothes on Hey everybody and welcome to episode 57 of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. That last statement is more true each time. More true than you could ever know. So, how's everybody doing this week? Happy to be here with you recording this for the second time. Um, This computer that I am recording with now, it took a dump a little bit ago and I decided to try and record old school. By old school, I mean onto my field recorder. It's brought me many, many a great uh, interview from the field, but I just don't like recording onto it because it's super hard to edit afterwards. So I'm super glad that this thing decided to work. Um, I hope that it continues to, and I hope I can get this out to you. Needless to say, it's about uh, 4.43.92 ACD. Which, for those of you that don't speak in future time codes, it's very late. Very, very late. I'm probably waking up my neighborhood because I feel like I have to scream. Uh, Hopefully if I scream, it'll stick to the recording waves on this thing. So, hi! How you doing? I'd like to open this show with a little quote from another podcast. We're going to be talking about some other podcasts uh, on this show. And this one comes to us from Phil at the Doghouse two wheel radio over on the NTN networks get a little music for this quote i feel like we need a little sexy music i'm not opposed i just don't know how sexy it would be to be getting it on with a robot yeah that was phil baby from doghouse Radio Isles. I love talking to Warren over there, the only sensible guy. So, that coming out of Phil didn't surprise me. So, uh, I wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, on this show, We I'm going to be starting something new. And I'll talk about that in a second uh, with the other shows. But with my show, we're going to start something called The Swear Jar. So, every time I say something like or I'm going to drop a quarter into the old swear jar. That's how I'm going to finance the show in 2017. seventeen. Cause you know, I got a million bucks sitting over here in the corner blowing a hole. And uh, yeah, if I had that, I wouldn't have to worry about this swear jar. But I was thinking if I if I cursed every time I threw a quarter in there, I'll probably have a million dollars by the end of the week. I don't know, you know, how I'm going to finance my swearing because I'm like a filthy little sailor, but uh, we'll do it. So we're going to do the swear jar. It's going to be fun. We might have a little coin dropping every time there's a cuss word. So when you hear, you know, I cursed. So, hey, what I'd like to discuss in this episode, now that we've got the swear jar out of the way, I noticed a lot of other shows changing formats. And, you know, I myself changed formats a couple months ago to bring you the Ride Report format. Um, I've foregone that this week because I didn't want a chance recording multiple times and losing it all. So if I lose this one, I guess no big deal. Hopefully I don't, though. But, yeah, there's a lot of other shows changing formats. I noticed the Misfits are kind of changing to a less hectic format to kind of bring you some more insightful and uh, historic, historic Emma's History Hole sort of stories uh, Doghouse recently changed they are basically kind of going to a free for all format if you could imagine like a royal rumble uh, but of podcasting and not a whole bunch of podcasts coming together in one ring just the dudes from well okay it's not like a royal rumble but they're definitely going to a new podcast where they're having like a miscellaneous uh, section and I love that because if you go to a lot of uh, forums, you'll know that the miscellaneous section usually is where the best things come from. So that's really interesting listening to their show this week. I noticed uh, that little change. Um, a couple other people are going to a lot of live streaming because now that you can do that on Facebook, uh, which has rendered basically I'm pretty sure Periscope has gone. You know, I think Twitter integrated Periscope into Twitter. I went ahead and deleted my Periscope app because I don't need 15 live options now, especially since I'm not ever going to do it. Uh, did go live at IMS to show you some of the bikes, but I'm personally not going to be uh, podcasting live because that's crazy talk. Um, so, yeah, I think probably some of these guys are going and changing their formats because racing is a little thin this time of year, save for special events such as Super Prestigio, which we'll be talking about a little bit. Uh, But also, you know, it's hard to talk about stuff when all the motor shows are done with for the year. And uh, there's some custom shows coming up that I personally want to kind of talk about and cover. But as far as the national motorcycle shows and all that great stuff, there's really not that much more that's going to be coming out. Um, So that's, you know, I think why some of them are changing their formats for now. Some of them are even dumping off and taking a couple weeks off. I probably should. I should probably call it quits for at least a couple weeks and get a new computer uh, to record on and edit on and all that great stuff. So, yeah, it kind of sucks not having a reel-to-reel dinosaur-style tape that you can just cut and paste. But anyway, uh, I want to also mention the weather. Uh, You know, I know last week our show kind of revolved around uh, weather. It wasn't phony. (laughs) Okay, a little phony. But I think it brought us all together because I received more comments and uh, visitor posts to the page, uh, our Facebook page, uh, than I have in a long time, even motorcycle-related stuff. So, So that was a lot of fun to commiserate with everybody, talk about snowblowers, learn stuff I would never otherwise know living here in SoCal. But I do have to tell you guys, this is no joke, no little boy that cried wolf, it's been raining here like crazy. Uh it's been raining on and off now for the last 24 hours and uh there's more rain forecast for like tomorrow and the next few days. It's just been dumping and pouring. And so yeah, I really am feeling it now. I went to go ride uh yesterday. Good thing I didn't because like I don't know, 20 minutes after I decided to eh, I'll, I'll put the bike back. You know, I got it out and kind of cleaned it off and was going to ride Did look a little cloudy. So my uh, landlord told me that it was going to rain and I didn't believe him because my phone didn't. The Internet, you know, you can't you can believe everything on the Internet, right? The Internet told me it wasn't going to rain. So I believed the Internet. And sure enough, 20 minutes later, it was coming down in buckets. And uh, literally, I have a bucket on my balcony and it's almost it's a five gallon bucket. It was almost full of water. Uh, to begin with, and after this rain, it's overflowing. So we got a few inches, man. So that's that. I probably you know, won't be bragging about... Well, it's still warm here. So I still got that going for me. Uh, but I won't be bragging about the sun because it is, in fact, raining. And I don't know when it's going to stop. So uh, Mother Nature can kiss my ass on that one. Oh, boy, what do you know? We made our first quarter... I better make it a nickel so I can do some more of those throughout the show. All right, so the next thing I want to tell everybody is I am I apologize. My apologies in advance. Krampus could not make it here this year. He's busy stealing children and whipping them with multicolored sticks or whatever the heck Krampus does. If you want to see something funny, there is a skit on Saturday Night Live about... Oh gosh, I forget what it was called, but um, people get abducted by Santa Claus and other people get abducted by, uh, or the, their friend gets abducted by, I forget what she calls them, Crinkle Mouse or something. It's pretty funny. So go check that out um, for some holiday funny cheer. year. But uh, I do want to say happy holidays to everybody, uh, whatever holiday you celebrate this time of year, be it Festivus, Saturnalia, uh the good old Christmas Kwanzaa Kwanza Hanukkah, uh any of that good stuff. I I got a video from Nitrous Chris and Steve Mankowitz, Michelle Singseim. Uh, if you don't get any of those, go back to episode eleven and episode 24. You'll you'll get what I'm talking about. But yeah, they sent me this video, this really cool video of them walking through this white powdery stuff. And they're in this winter Christmas wonderland, and it looked pretty amazing. It was pretty cool to see uh, not inches of snow, like feet of snow, like like feet and feet on a f- on more feet of snow. It looked like probably three feet of snow. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, you know. You know, I should try to say that like a Wisconsin. But um, yeah, no, it was really cool. And it really gave me an appreciation for what you guys are going through, why you guys take this time to build your bikes. Obviously you're not riding. I mean, I could complain about the rain, but I could still, I could still ride in it. You guys cannot ride through this three feet of snow or whatever. I mean, it was, it was incredible, you know? So, um, yeah, that was, it was a cool video. Thanks guys for sharing. I think I'm going to try and figure out a way to post it up on our website, on our blog. But if I can't, I'll just, uh, Copy it up onto the old Creative Writing Facebook page and see everybody can see it there. I'm sure like most people are already seeing it like, yeah, that ain't nothing. I'm like in 12 feet of snow. But it just reminded me of uh, Teardown videos and everybody tearing down their bike, doing cool stuff over the wintertime. And subsequently, so am I. And I will be working more on my bike now that it's going to be raining for like the next week or so. But uh, Jake the Garden Snake, who is a vlogger, a moto vlogger that I've been following probably for the longest time because he used to be funny. He's got a cool video about uh, hard engine break in versus like, I don't know, soft engine break in. So, anyway, yeah, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes if I can remember right. Note two sub. Yes, I just wrote it down to put uh, put this in the show notes. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It talks about (laughs) hard engine break in, and my friends and I used to always talk about it. Uh, You know, people getting on us for doing burnouts and wheelies and stuff on a fresh engine, Um, not from the factory, like that we rebuilt. And yeah, so it's pretty cool. If you're going to be rebuilding your engine uh, this winter, don't be afraid to get on it first thing, first riding chance you get. out Right out the garage, just do a big, fat, smoky burnout and wheelie right into the light pole at the end of your driveway or into your neighbor's car or whatever, you know, whatever you do. So, yeah, some fun stuff and just this crazy weather, even driving me here in SoCal to work on my bike now that I can't ride. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, the temps are OK, but the, the weather And there's actually some rides coming up at the end of the month here. It's Run to the Roses in the Pasadena. Well, it's the SoCal Norton Owners Club. They do it. But it starts in Pasadena, and they like to tear down the street right where all the people from Wisconsin and Minnesota and everybody like that is coming down here, South Dakota, to check out the Rose Bowl. And, yeah, we fly down Colorado and go up the hill to Uh, Newcomb's Ranch, uh, eat a little breakfast and cruise back down to a brewery or whatever and get some grub. Um, It's a full day of riding and lots of fun, but uh, the last time I went, it was too cold to make it to the top, Um, and so that did not happen, and then last year, hmm, I forget, I think it was raining last year, or I was out of town last year. I don't remember, but it didn't go last year. But yeah, I think it was it was raining anyway. So there's that ride coming up. San Diego Mod versus Rocker is coming up probably the end of January. I haven't checked their ride calendar yet, but that also got rained out last year. I did not go last year, and um, fortunately, there was only like three motorcycles that went because It rained. So that's always hit or miss. I've even gone one year where it was kind of cloudy in the morning. We went to the whole ride. It was pretty fun. And then it rained when I was leaving the event. So, I mean, I just made it. So, I mean, you know, it's hit or hit. uh, (coughs) That's not that's not the computer dying. That's me dying. Wow, that was crazy. I've never heard a sound like that come out of my body before. I'm going to leave that in because that was pretty awesome. Um, So, yeah, anyway, those those are coming up and they, you know, California, we take it, we leave it. Sometimes we do both on the same ride, and you know, just happens if it if it's raining, I'm probably not going to go. But uh, there are rides coming up that may or may not be basically primarily influenced by the weather and whatever the weather's doing. So, yeah, that is pretty exciting. So, what else is going on? Well, something happened this weekend that I can't wait to talk about. Literally. Hit the transition, Joe. You know we don't do long transitions on this show. You're fired. All right, so the Super Prestigio happened this weekend. I got a lot to talk about when it comes to Flat Track this week just because I'm so super pumped. Uh, so I didn't want to spoil it. And then, like I said, I didn't do my ride report after the Super Prestigio because I was I was very emotional. I laughed. I cried. Um. Mostly because my family was like bugging me, they were getting out of here while I was watching it, and uh it was really a menace to me. I was menaced by my family, but actually, in actuality, um yeah, a whole gamut of emotions, excitement, fear of the unknown. it was much like uh watching the election results only and the flat track finals on fans choice, only this time I didn't fall asleep during both of those. <laughs> Like I did in both of those, I should say. Ah, sh- All right. At any rate, the Super Prestigio was awesome. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't record right afterwards, like I'm saying. I waited a couple days. I'm glad I did because I got to hear an interview with the Bradley Baker on um, Brad Baker. Don't ever call him Bradley. I will slap you in the face so hard, so hard. Anyway, yeah, Brad Baker was on Pit Pass Moto Weekly, which is a uh, racing show that I listen to on Tuesday nights out of De- Des Moines, Iowa. Um, they'll tell you that the sushi's good there. The sushi is probably not good in Des Moines, Iowa. But at any rate, uh, yeah, no, they got an interview with him and I was happy to hear what he had to say. Before we get to that, uh, I do want to talk about some of the stuff that happened. And like I said, I didn't want to spoil it just in case anybody hadn't seen it yet. But from what I've seen, Fans Choice did not archive it. I'm guessing that they maybe only had broadcast rights for the day of. Um, There was a lot of other networks broadcasting it. So I don't know if they paid extra for rights or they just gave everybody, you know, not to get. I don't I don't know. I'm not even going to speculate, I guess. But at any rate, I, I didn't see that it's archived on Fan's Choice, so I don't think you can go back and watch it. So also two or three other uh, podcasts and, and radio shows have spoiled it, and I'm sure you know I've already seen it on a bunch of uh, websites and stuff. So I don't think I'd be spoiling anything by revealing the results to you. If you don't want to know and you haven't heard yet, click Fast Forward on whatever device you're listening to about maybe five times, you know, they usually have that little like 10 or 15 second forward and backward thing. Click it about five times forward. Uh, We should be good to go. Okay. Now for the rest of you that are sticking around and want to hear what happened, uh, let's dig into it. So first off, I was excited to see so many different racers from so many different disciplines come together. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that Brad Baker was the only Flat tracker, I can't... Let me see if I can think of... Hmm. Okay, I don't know about in the singles, but there uh, he's the only guy I can think of off the top of my head that's an American flat tracker that was there. Please don't get upset with me if I'm totally wrong. But I do know that Oliver Brindley was there, and he uh, was from the UK. I saw him race at the Super Prestigio uh, of the Americas last year, which is really cool. And he's actually... <laughs> Uh, according to uh, Pit Pass Moto Weekly, I think he was the first guy to sign his uh, application, submit his application for the United States American Flat Track season next year. So he's going to be coming over from the UK to race. So I'm pretty excited to see it opening up to you know new riders, getting everybody, lots of people interested and stuff like that. It's interesting to think that they'll be racing you know they'll be doing a kilometer rather than a half mile and they'll be doing like a 2k or a 5k depending on you know what i mean did i did i jump the shark with that joke sorry about that they're bringing metric to the americas baby but it, it is exciting uh, for that there's a couple people they had two classes the super prestigio class from what I understood is only road racing disciplines and then the open class, which was basically any dirt discipline. I think that's how it worked. Uh, at least, at least seems to be how that was stacked. You know what I mean? So the open class featured Brad Baker. There was also uh, a couple other European flat trackers there. There was also, uh, you know, motocross and supercross and, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Endurocross, maybe even guys over there. I'm not 100% sure what dirt disciplines were there, but I do know that mostly the Super Prestigio class seemed to be made up of road racers, uh, whether it be MotoGP, uh, World Superbike, MotoAmerica, so on and so forth, all of the different dis- uh, you know road racing disciplines from all over the globe. So that was really interesting. Lots of names I'd never heard of. So that was cool too, seeing all these people from... That was weird. I just heard a weird noise, and I don't know what it was. can't figure this out. All right. Well, hopefully my house isn't falling apart, too. I feel like everything has been falling apart slowly since that fateful day in October when I recorded the uh, Spooky Spokes episode. But anyway, I digress. I digress. Oh, boy. I really don't want to have to use the recording I did on my field recorder. That's going to be terrible. All right. As you can hear, we're having some technical difficulties, folks. Hopefully we can hang around till the end of the show. All right. We're 21 minutes in. Let's make it all the way, baby. Uh, so, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leak the winners right now. So Mark Marquez actually took the win. Oh, I'm sorry for all you guys who fast forwarded five times. You just fast forwarded right into the results. So, oh, So sad for you. So, Mark Marquez took first uh much to the applause and appreciation of his home track, you know Spain he's from Spain town Spain bill Spain, and uh Tony Elias, another Spanish guy, taken second, Brad Baker took third, and that rounds out the podium because there's only th- three steps on a podium, so yeah it was it was disappointing to see Brad Baker come in third. Marquez absolutely dominated. He won all four of his heat races. And uh, Tony Elias, uh, I want to say, won... Mm, I think he won one, too. You know what? Brad Baker um, only won three of his heat races. I don't remember who won the uh, second-to-last one. Uh, I It couldn't have been Tony Elias because I think he was in the Super Prestigio class. But watching Tony Elias... Uh, just catch up and kind of stick with Marquez. Marquez had really pulled himself out in front and Elias did a really good job of also getting out there, banging bars, not afraid to mix it up with people. And I have to say, if you can get your hands on it still and you didn't watch it, go back. There's a ton, a ton of crashing. And most of the guys aren't used to racing, I'm guessing, without a front brake. And everybody was just going into that first turn, trying to get out there first. And Brad Baker let everybody go a couple times. And he said uh, on pit pass, he said, my strategy was to let everybody pile up there in that first turn trying to slow down. And I was just going to go in you know, slow and steady and point it where I wanted to go and get out of there. And he absolutely did that except for the third race. And I uh, don't exactly remember who won, but it was uh, like... N- they came in behind. I don't even think it was close. I think he fell, slipped back to third and then, or fourth even, and then finally got got up to uh, second in that race. So yeah, he didn't totally dominate like Marquez did, but he still did a great job. Um, the track was really interesting. Uh, he's, I could hear at the end of the race, of course, they were in the pits. Every single word that Baker muttered and Marquez muttered, they were on. They were just miked and... Ready, you know, the guys were just ready for them to say something and you could hear Baker say horrible or terrible or something like that. And I can only assume he was talking about the traction and the changing track conditions. Um, the fact that that track was uh, uh, the kind of dirt that it was, I'm guessing, or the kind of soil they didn't. They put like a little tiny bit of water in it at one point. And over here we're used to them, you know, watering frequently, you know what I mean? So, uh, I think the tires it didn't cool the cool the soil and so the tires heated up on it and I'm it just kind of turned to, you know, they lost grip, they got all squishy and slippery and it's not like uh road racing where you want like a soft sticky tire you want a grippy tire. So a little bit different, you know, when they start to overheat, they start to lose traction and just spin in the dirt rather than dig in. So it's, it's a much different tire dynamic than you're looking for. And the soil was a lot different. And I think they were saying that it was kind of getting a little ruddy and and smooth and you could see it at tracks, uh, you know, certain tracks here, even when they're running a groove, it'll get A lot of rubber, uh, you know, the rubber goes down on it and it looks like pavement. And at least they got that to hook up on. But when you're in this little short track and certain parts are doing certain things, I guess the traction was just terrible, which uh, we'll talk about the traction in a moment. Uh, Let's not forget Tony Elias. And I, I think I don't know where he stood in the odds, but I don't know if he was like a dark horse or if he was a long shot or if he was just like... Uh, nobody had their eye on him or what, but he really dominated. I have to say he came in pretty consistently uh, second and uh, I don't know, like top three in his heats at least, if I remember correctly. He was like right up there uh, with the front runners. And Tony Wink on uh, Pit Pass Radio said, Brad, hey, you know, just saying, you got beat by two road racers. What about it? So it was really interesting to hear Brad's perspective on it. And before we go into the bike tech and all that stuff, uh, we should talk about that. So Brad Baker got to go over there for five weeks and hang out. I think he got to see the end of the MotoGP season. He uh, raced with Valentino Rossi at his ranch at some point. Got to train with a Spanish flat tracker for a couple weeks, I believe he said. Hung out, did a lot of press uh engagements and a lot of uh public engagements and stuff like that uh probably contracted stuff to promote the event hung out with Marquez i forget if he got to ride i forget if Marquez even has a track or if he got to ride with Marquez or not but he was talking about people's games stepping up their games over there and the fact that he got beat by two road racers means that uh he said predominantly people over there in the past have used that as a practice Sort of to, uh you know get a little bit more stable on a bike, get a little bit different uh you know backing it in is is way easier because that it's instinctually what you do on a flat track bike, so you you kind of put those skills to use when you learn to transfer that over to road racing and learning to feel the bike squiggle under you less controllably than when you're on a tarmac because on tarmac, the wheels kind of stay in line with each other and it's predictable. So on dirt, you got the little squiggle wiggles and you learn to feel comfortable with that. So he said they primarily use it as a training tool just to add to their skill set. But now, after this year, he's seen the competition levels rise. People are getting more serious about it. Flat track is growing here in the United States and I think worldwide. And so he said... uh it's definitely arrived. It's definitely coming. And he can see the, the, the fact that the people there are even getting more, uh, more, you know, competitive about it and taking it more seriously really means something significant for flat track globally and the super prestigio perhaps being like a race of champions, uh, for all motorcycle disciplines, like t- at the end of the year. And he said to Tony wink, he's been, his wheels have been turning about, uh, about that actual concept now for a long time. So it'd be interesting to see that come out. And, you know, if you think about the in the past, in, in America at least, to be the, the claim number one plate and be the, quote, grand national champion, you had to ride uh, short tracks, you had to ride miles, and you had to ride um, road racing, And this is kind of before motocross came over to the States. I mean, the motocross came over here in the sixties and flat track had already been around way before then. So had it been an earlier discipline, you might've had to ride, uh, you know, short track miles, uh, motocross and road racing in order to get that number one plate. You had to be like the be all man back in the days in order to get that number one. So for the FIM to perhaps bring, the Super Prestigio together as, you know, the race of champions, bring all the winners and all the invite invitees together at the end of the year, kind of like they have been with the Super Prestigio and kind of present that person with like the crown for that year would be pretty awesome, especially piggybacking off the popularity of flat track and street trackers recently, uh, most notably. I mean, I know scramblers are hot too, but you can't, deny that a lot of stuff kind of looks flat trackery. There's been a lot of factory flat trackers coming out and all the big movie, the big moves being made right now in flat track by the OEMs. So it's a hot, hot sport and it's really picking up. And Brad Baker actually said, you know, it's here now. Like I'm not worried about it fading. Uh, I, I can see the super prestigio getting more popular and flat track getting more popular globally because it's literally here now and our days of growing have kind of ended. So I want to talk about that later, but uh, to get back to the the racing, there was a ton of red flags here in the States. If you don't complete the first lap because of a crash, they red flag it and you restart it. There was some interesting sort of restarts there uh, due to the do the red flags, uh, the racing, you kind of had a motocross start where you, the gate dropped and then, and then you took off down, you know, the front straight and it turned into the, the oval there. So that was kind of a cool, uh, instead of starting right at the start, uh, in the middle of the front straight, you know, they kind of all got this run down it. So there was a lot of speed being carried into that first corner. A lot of people having to slow down in order to do it. And uh, I think you heard me say Brad Baker's strategy was to slow down, let everybody pile up and just kind of go through them and work his way through traffic that way. And I, I definitely see it. That start was crazy. Everybody's trying to get the whole shot, as it were, and everybody's trying to get to that first corner first, but they don't have front brakes. And so for a lot of these road racers and even motocrossers and stuff, uh, that was a little bit different getting the bikes sat down and turned the way you know they should have been turning in order to navigate that turn. And so there was a lot of wipeouts on the first lap in the first corner and uh, even after that um some of them that were even like halfway through races and stuff it, there were some pretty amazing wad ups and stack ups and um yeah it was something to behold if you can if you can um find an archive somewhere I go back and watch it watch the amount of crashes and red flags and it's pretty interesting and sometimes they'd let them go around for a couple laps before they red flagged it and so, it was also interesting to see, am I not seeing, you know, the guys get off the track all right or something? Or am I just not seeing uh, the rules the same way that they are in the States? So, it was, it was interesting to watch, but they eventually, would red flagged a lot of them and restarted them. Uh, some of them, even like halfway through the races, instead of doing a staggered start like they do here in the States, giving the guys that were in the front, the front positions and staggering them back uh, they just all started them again on the line. So it was, it's very interesting to see how all that went down and just realize, hey, it's just dis- different rules. It's not really uh, a series that's been developed. It's just kind of this quick thing that, that popped out, uh, you know, and so I don't know if they have the rules hammered out. But it would be pretty cool one day to see all those disciplines come together because I think flat track is something that everybody can do, whether you're a dirt, uh rider and you're doing motocross, rhythm is really important for that stuff. And if you're a road racer, obviously you're not on dirt, but being smooth is, you know, what's key and, and turning right. So I think flat track's the perfect sport to combine all those and bring them together. So I think Brad, uh, Brad Baker talking about that, you know, that really makes sense. That'd be kind of cool to see a race of champions come out of it. Now, to to... Put a finer point on the the racers. You know, everybody's super talented. Uh, everybody did pretty well. Alex Marquez and Mark Marquez raced head-to-head quite a few times. Alex did pretty good, I think, in his first heat race. But then he just kept crashing after that and just dropping back. He just, he petered out. So a lot of guys that you we see that do really well in their series just didn't translate well over to this. So it was pretty interesting to see that. And probably what contributed to a lot of the crashes. I mean, everybody everybody is competitive. We're talking about cream of the crop here, banging bars. I mean, you know, nobody wants to lose, and it caused some pretty spectacular crashes that you don't see when they are, you know, the top five riders of their discipline riding in, like, a field of, like, 18 or 20 or whatever of lesser guys that nobody even can remember their names. Like, this was all the cream of the crop together. So, yeah, you got to see some bar banging action, Fights going all the way back to the, you know, the rear of the packs. I think they raced eight at a time. So, yeah, that's a very small pack to be riding in. And so you can imagine the battles went all the way, you know, all the way back. And the sh- track was so short that if you fell, you really couldn't make it up. You know what I mean? You just had tried to go tried to not go a lap down. So that's uh, pretty interesting. And. Mark Marquez, watching him ride in the final, which I believe, is that 25 laps? I don't think it was 50. I forget, Uh, but I think it was 25. He reached over a few times with his left hand and poked at his handlebar. And that was another topic that came up on the show. And Brad Baker said, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, obviously taking it as seriously as they do with rider skill and rider input and developing their you know, ability on the bikes, the OEs have something to gain too, and something to venture, I guess. And we already know, I've talked this year about how dirt, uh, ABS, and IMUs are getting put on dirt bikes and ADV bikes and off road bikes, and they're like Yamaha launch control for their and whole shot control and whatever that else they call their electronics. So it's really interesting to note that Mark was obviously adjusting something on his. 450 Honda there, Um, and, you know, I think Brad Baker was on a Honda too, but it's just, you know, a showroom bike, you know, that they've souped up to his, uh, whatever his needs. But uh, apparently, um, since he rides for Honda and he's in Spain and there's something to lose, uh, I mean, I don't don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying, you know, matter-of-factly, Honda apparently gave him gave uh, Mark Marquez a, a top tier developed bike that had some traction control or some sort of thing that allowed him to pull those, you know, last few laps. He was, he was like 10 seconds ahead. I mean, he, he just had this huge gap, uh, between him and Tony Elias. And a couple times during the race, he reached down and, and, uh, poked at the handlebar or something on the right side with his left hand um, reaching across the bars there. It was super apparent that he was dialing something back. Uh, who knows if it was engine power to cut, you know, the rear wheel spinning and hook up a little bit more traction. Who knows what it was? You know, if it was uh I don't think it was the braking, but uh, you know, whatever it was, IMU or just the ECU or the mapping or whatever, it's really cool to see that breakthrough happening in that. Venue where you're thinking it's like the most rudimentary form. You're on a dirt bike on dirt, just sliding it around. You know, doing that is best you can amongst the uh, you know eight other guys or twelve other guys. But no, no. It, I mean, electronics is everywhere. I mean, it's already in your ignition and fuel injection and stuff. So I mean, I guess they're just kind of translating that over one more step into traction control on these dirt bikes. So it was that was kind of cool, but it kind of brought up, you know, I, Brad Baker was not a sore loser about it. He was actually, you know, pretty matter of fact, and just said, you know, some people have uh, options available and some people like the factories have a dog in the fight too, because they can use that to develop tech that's useful to riders on the street or, you know, out, on the trails. So they, you know, it is cool. It is cool. But, uh, and, and, uh, as long as he feels like he was not being cheated by technology, that's great. I mean, I think that's really great for the sport in general. And it just proves that there is room for it to still grow worldwide. And there's still room for it to grow, um, you know, as a, uh, like a race of champions and, and give, um, when you really think of MotoGP, that's where they develop all their technology that trickles down into road bikes. Well, no, now you could maybe dual sports and ADV are going to find better stuff because of this racing atmosphere and dialing stuff back. But it, so it was interesting that Mark won in front of his home crowd on his home team's bike, and uh, you know just had some really bitching electronics on it. It looked like so that was uh, that's that and. Uh wanna segue from that into American flat tracking. So let's do that right now. Let's take a little break. Let's relax here. Let's catch our breath and play a little toony tune. I'll let it play the whole way this time. I know I know you guys like those uh like those jingles. Hey you goons. You looking for a gift for Christmas for somebody that you love? Hey, it's too late now, man. Christmas is here. But maybe a birthday, maybe Father's Day. Go check out dailybikers.com. Dan over at Daily Bikers is uh, working 19 jobs just to make it by, And why? When he's got all that wonderful artwork for sale? I don't know. But go check out dailybikers.com. Check out the Etsy store and get someone you love some really great classic and uh, highly, highly stylized motorcycle art. Dan won't disappoint he's really good at shipping multiple items together and uh, saving you some shipping costs that way and uh, every every work of art is literally a masterpiece in my my mind so help dan out dailybikers.com you can also find him on Etsy or daily bikers all right, so jumping back into American Flat Track. Speaking to Brad Breaker, uh, Tony Wink was talking to him about, you know, the things that are happening around the American Flat Track uh, franchise. And uh, I wanted to point out that, you know, the AMA controlled controls uh, AMA Pro Flat Track is what it used to be called last year, and they had the GNC1 and the GNC2 Frankly, uh, I'm happy that they don't call it that anymore just because the GNCC is a grand national cross country and it can be kind of confusing with GNC and all that stuff. So the naming convention wasn't that great. If you think of, you know, all the great cool things that the AMA does is, you know, they're a huge organization. Um, they do political stuff. They do, you know, race stuff. They do. They're a lobby. And hell, they're, they lobby for motorcyclists against one of the biggest other lobbies which is like the uh oil and fuel lobby you know making sure stuff is safe for us so they handle a lot of stuff they had AMA pro racing before which was you know covered uh several other series but you know specifically the the road racing and now that that's been handed off to crave and become motor america uh, I believe that the flat tracking, has, they've been able to focus a little bit more on, you know, get back to focus on racing, the race division at least. And I think that right now in America, flat tracking is just is so huge. And like Brad Baker said, if this really could be, you know, his wheels are turning all the time that the Super Prestigio could be basically the like the trophy for the top rider race of champions, if you will it's just really cool to see this huge groundswell right now that's that's happening in, in a flat tracking period but in America they've spun off a little bit you know like i said you know now that now that the ama can focus on it a little bit more they don't have too many race series going on they have spun off a uh, flat track 2 aft which is american flat track i mentioned last year that they had um well, they they started AFT, which is American Flat Track uh, Promotions, and it's like a whole PR side of the business that promotes the sport, promotes the riders, uh, everything that's going on right now in flat tracking, uh, you know, gets all that stuff uh, basically squared away from a perspective where, you know, the promotional side of stuff, which used to be, you know, quite a, I'm sure quite a, a lot of work. Uh, So that's kind of spun off into the AFT productions. And then American Flat Track, as they're calling it this year, has kind of been rebranded right alongside that. Uh, I don't know if that started to pick up some momentum, so they decided to go with it, uh, or if that was in the plans altogether. But American Flat Track has, uh, looks like it's just going to be, you know, such a cool, cool season uh, compared to last year. Not that last year was terrible, but, uh, you know, they're going to grow up properly is, is how I see it. And, uh, AFT productions is going to help with that. Uh, the schedule is going to help with that. You know, the, just, just the popularity of it is, is going to grow immensely, uh, is how I feel. So they've added some things that are a little bit different from last year. I want to cover that real quick, uh, before the whole world blows up here on this stupid computer. Um, so first right off the bat, things that are going to be different, they're not calling it GNC one and GNC two anymore. Like I said, you know, that was kind of confusing for me anyway, because grand national championship is like an off road outdoors race or whatever. So they're just calling it, uh, AFT twins and AFT singles. And that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the twins are going to race all, uh, all year long on the twins. Now last year, since it was different in the years past, you could, you could get a singles championship, even if you were raced in the twins division. And, uh, you know, there, it was just kind of weird. Now it's just going to be pretty much kind of old school, how I see it, like a little more straight cut. And the twins are going to be the seven fifties and the, the guys aren't going to race the four fifties on the short tracks or the TTS anymore. Um, so it's going to all be, you know, whatever, just seven, seven fifties, uh, short track, half mile, mile, TT, whatever, whatever it be. And that's going to be real interesting. That's going to kind of go back to the old days when I believe the, what would be called the GNC2 class, road 250. I want to say some of them had brakes depending on the distance, you know what I mean? Some of them had front brakes, rather. Not not brakes, but front brakes um, for safety for the newer riders and stuff like that. So, I mean, they kind of used to divide them out by class size um, back in the day. But now they're they're doing that again. And the twins are going to be the 750 uh, framers. They're going to, you know, it's going to be cool seeing them huck over the, the TTs again. And I want to talk about that a little bit because... Uh, a lot of people are citing it for safety reasons. They they're uncomfortable with that. Now the four the four fifties, you know, were basically dirt bikes with uh, flat track tires on it. That's basically the only thing they were. And for safety reasons, you know, you have the front brakes also uh, on TTS, but not the short tracks. Um, so. They didn't have to worry about weight. They could throw those things around. Uh, They could maneuver them. They could jump them really far and land a little bit safer. Um, And they're afraid of the safety, you know, on on the TTs in particular, hucking these big 750s over jumps. However, I say, I actually think it'll make things safer. And having listened to an episode of Freakonomics in the past where they talked about, uh, I don't remember exactly the premise, but sort of like if you were to take the seat belts and windshields out of all cars right now or something like that, you would reduce deaths like crazily, like the more safety features you put into stuff, be it sports gear or cars, uh, protective, you know, protective gear for motorcyclists or football players. It doesn't matter. People feel like they can, you know, do more crazy stuff and, and they're more protected and feel less hurt. So, By their rationale, taking away safety measures, I mean, I'm sure a certain uh, percentage of the gene pool would get, you know, wiped out. But after they're gone, everybody else that's left, you know, the good ones, they're the ones that will be able to, you know, will be able to say, hey, we are racing at a uh, basically, you know, being able to jump the framers. We're not flying them as far. We're doing it sensibly. And we're doing it a little slower and a little safer, and it's making racing better, therefore. You know what I mean? The guys that take chances are going to win, could get hurt, but they could also win, um, or everyone's going to be stacked, and the racing is going to be a little bit closer. So I I don't know. I kind of feel I'm kind of glad they're going back to framers for everything. I just feel like it's pretty fair, too. You got this big bike, you're hucking around, um, whether it be a short track or a TT or... Even like uh, you know, Troy Bayless has his little series where it's uh Tar track, you know what I mean? And there's no jumps, but you're flipping back and forth, like throwing a framer around on that a big old seven fifty, uh, especially even on short track, is gonna take a lot different skill. I think it's really gonna sort out guys much better than uh having them ride two different styles of bikes. Uh you know, Brian Smith won on the Kawasaki for Crosley, but you know, Jared Meese and Brad Baker, who have both won uh, for Harley-Davidson, obviously didn't ride Harley-Davidson 450s in the short track races or on the TTs. So I think it'll also enhance team commitments and make you know racing that much better. The guys this year and the girls are also going to be wearing full leathers. And so basically what that amounts to is that uh, I heard a commentator say during the super prestigio that that'll make it easier for people, you know, on the super prestigio, you you could have all sorts of different motocross gear and you could change colors all the time. And luckily for commentators having that set of leathers, you're going to be able to tell who it is because, you know, you're not going to waste like, I don't know, $3,000 on a bunch of pairs of leather. That's, that's your team budget, you know, could go into tires and whatnot. So that will be cool. Um, they're going to, you know, require everybody wear leathers, which will probably make everybody, you know, have a color once again, like a, a li- livery, if you will, uh, team colors and, and rider color and all that stuff. Uh, also there's going to be three TTs and the singles class, which is going to be, you know, the, what used to be GNC two is just going to be singles now. And they are actually going to do five TTs. They're just going to be uh, Springfield one and two. Plus, there's going to be, they're trying to uh, coincide the series a little bit better with events that are going on. Um, And so you're going to see uh, Daytona Bike Week. It's going to be the very first round of the 2017 American Flat Track schedule on March 16th. It's going to be at the Daytona International Speedway and it's going to be a TT. So that's super exciting. That's the first TT. Everybody's coming out uh, swinging on that. On a TT, So it's going to be, I think the first time they've ever opened with a TT as far as I can remember. Um, but before I get on to the other ones, I have to say too, that they are going to have more. I can't remember exactly how many more, but they're going to have more. This is like going to be the most tracks uh, during the, any season since uh, 2011. So like the last five years, you know, flat track, kind of doing like what road racing did and dropping off uh venues here and there well, now they're adding them back. And uh you know, we're going to have the the opening daytona TT. Springfield 1 is going to be a TT for the um singles and then we're going to go down into the the summer there uh, the Buffalo Chip TT and uh the Black Hills half mile. Both of those are going to uh, coincide with Sturgis. So that's super cool right there. You know, planning it around a bike event to draw more spectators and whatnot. But again, the Buffalo chip TT, um, followed by the black Hills half mile. And then immediately after that, the Peoria TT. And immediately after that Springfield Two. So the singles are going to do another TT there. So you've got like four TT or three TTs in a row. um, In those four races, even though the singles are going to be doing one of those, but still, that's pretty cool. So, three TTs total for the 750s and five TTs total for the 450s. And that is just going to be, or for the twins, I should say, not the 750s, the twins. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be an awesome season. And then they're going to finish it up here at the Paris short track. And if you go back and look at my hot August nights from 2015, uh, I think I posted it up on Facebook. Uh, there's a little short video there of the action in the track and you can see just how intimate it'll be. It'll be, I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy to imagine all those big name race teams out there on that intimate little track and and the, all the viewing's good there's like tiny grandstands i don't know if they would be uh putting up more but it's just it's incredible to think of all those guys coming out to that track where you're literally front and center right there in the action in the pits you know all that stuff so i'm glad that they're bringing it back we lost pomona a couple of years ago and uh, pomona was quite a big track so uh I'm pretty stoked that they're coming back here. You know, I think Vegas probably didn't work out as well as they thought that it would and it was indoors and uh you know, just not the greatest. So Paris outdoors, it's a long uh you know, long-standing and kind of historical flat track site for Socal here and the weather couldn't be more perfect anywhere else than Socal in October for flat tracking. So I'm really excited that it's going to be here uh next year i'm gonna go so if you feel like uh heading out there and watching it it'll you know it's a little bit far away for right now but uh the details we can get ironed out and it'd be really really fun to see uh some people out there enjoying american flat track again so yeah that sounds super fun and super cool and i'm just i'm so excited uh can't wait for this next year and all these new changes and just riding this huge groundswell of um, flat track in general. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it before since I've recorded this show twice now. Uh, but, you know, Deus, Xif uh, all these other guys making flat trackers cool on the custom side and lots of people building flat trackers and, well, scramblers, but scrambler trackers now and some factory flat trackers coming out at, you know, with. Like the Yamaha FTO7, you know, Indian getting back in the game. It's just such a magnanimous time right now for flat tracking, and to see it coming back up like this is pretty amazing. And I'm super, super excited. So yeah, it's gonna be a great year. Um, starts March 16th, so we got a little bit to go. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be one heck of a year. Well, listen, everybody, time has passed. Um, computer died. Lost three minutes of recording. Don't even know what the fuck I said. So we're going to continue the rest of the show here as fast as we can. And we're going to wrap up here with the final segment uh, discussing other podcasts. And Now, if you need something to listen to, uh, a few weeks ago, a couple, couple episodes ago, I think I talked about every podcast that I listen to. If you want me to, well, raise your hand if you want me to you. Okay. You do. <laughs> I, I can talk about them again. Let me, let me uh, talk about this real quick. Cause I listen to other podcasts as I'm sure you, you listen to mine and feel like, you need to scream at your earbuds or at your speakers or whatever you're listening to. Maybe you're in the car and you just feel like you want to scream because some, something was said and it's like, Hey, that isn't right. Um, Hmm, what a dumb dumb. However, I don't think people are dumb dumbs. A lot of times it's hard to believe everything you see on the internet, but, uh, and that's where most of these guys and even me, we all get our stuff from the internet most of the time, unless you're fortunate enough to talk to the actual companies or people that are putting stuff out there. So um, I know none of these guys listen to this show, but I feel like I need to. Um, talk about some of the stuff that they've done or said or something like that. Just kind of just to get my little OCD out of the way and like, you know, me correct something that that they've said that was weird or anything. So, uh, yeah, the first thing is actually the Motorcycle Man podcast. I know they don't listen to our show. However, last week's episode, or I guess this week's episode, there was a great ending by Ted at the end. that whole episode was kind of funny. Lots of sound effects and um, lots of laughing by the brothers. Um, if you don't listen to that show, it's, it's uh, I think, three brothers that, are, that run it. And Ted, who is the ringleader, as we'll call him, at the end of last week's show, just gave this awesome speech about what it is to be a motorcyclist and, you know, when you're traveling, how if you try to explain it to other people that don't ride, they just really won't get it. And not only that they they wouldn't get it, but it just, you know, they wouldn't understand why you would want to ride, you know, a thousand miles in one day, you know, what it means to some people to be an iron, butt. you know what it means to other people just to cruise and other people just want to carve a Canyon as fast as they can. You know what I mean? And, and if you uh, aren't, you know, go go listen to it. But yeah, he does a really, really good job about talking about what creates this bond between us and the difference between, uh, you know, all sorts of writers and everything and, and how we're all the same and how we're different. And it was really great. Yeah, it was the last their last episode for this year before they take their little winter break. And uh, I thought that was really good. Um, so, Ted, you knocked it out of the park with that one, buddy. Um, this week's Throttled podcast... Uh, I think I've t- I've like reached out to Throttle before a couple times too. When uh, them are loud pipes, I can't remember, but they get they were talking about bikes and certain things that exist and don't exist. Well, um, this week Larry was talking about how he had oil on his pants from his Harley, and he was curious about if future Harley Davidson bikes are going to be designed you know to like stop that problem or or what that's all about um you know and I, I think they had also brought up that some people had sued filed a lawsuit here in California that the harleys were too hot and they wanted you know almost like mcdonald's woman uh filing that lawsuit that the coffee was too hot you know really what lawsuits do to to get this first uh kind of issue out of the way Sometimes people don't sue because they're that dumb or because they want a bajillion dollars because something isn't hot. Sometimes lawsuits are only, uh, I mean, right now, if you look at every single coffee cup you're served at any fast food or coffee place or anything, they all say hot around it. It's like, duh, it's hot. But that's what that lawsuit did. That lawsuit made a change in the industry. They kind of, supposedly made it safer for other people. You know, maybe you maybe you think you're getting a nice coffee. <laughs> or maybe you don't know coffee's not hot. You know, maybe you're a new drinker. So what that lawsuit did was changed um you know the way coffee is served. So I don't know if these guys are suing Harley Davidson for the heat of the bikes really because they're that hot because they were talking about, you know, uh do your research. Basically, the first thing you find out is that har- everyone talks about how hot Harleys are. And Harleys have, like, items, which is the engine idle temperature management system, where you roll the throttle forward and it shuts the rear cylinder off for Pete's sake, you know. And uh, they have all sorts of heat shields that go in the middle of the, um, like, the frame and, and the lowers and everything to get air all around. And And so, I mean, Harleys are hot as hell. They're air-cooled. You know, air and oil cooled bikes, so what do you expect? Um, So, I don't know what they really wanted to achieve by this lawsuit, but I can tell you that it might not have been just to sue Harley because Harleys are hot. It might have been to get Harley to change all their bikes to twin-cooled or something. You know, I don't know exactly what the thing is, but uh, the oil on Larry's pants, Larry, if you ever happen to hear this, um... Harleys are designed with oil breather bolts in the air filter, and sometimes the oil will vent or leak out of the air cleaner and sometimes it'll even drip out if you're um you know if you're like oil well let me let me think of this some you know a lot of a lot of Harleys, especially like the dinas and stuff, have an oil tank that sits in the back and just you know, mo- except for the Sportsters, uh, everything else has remote oil. Basically, the oil is like in the tranny or the oil's in the oil tank or something like that. So, basically, like if your oil tank, you know, is a gravity fed, obviously, like sits up higher in the frame and feeds down into the motor. Um, sometimes that can just drain out or sometimes you get like excessive oil or I don't, you know, there's different ways to get more oil than what's what's uh, needed into your engine. But what happens is that if you ever change your own oil filter or take the, the, the air cleaner cover off, um, you'll see right in the air filter uh, backing uh, that there are like these two little tubes coming out and they go to bolts. And what that does is those bolts come like bolts, the air filter to the head basically, and those are breather bolts. I'm pretty sure Triumphs do the same thing um, as far as, like, dripping. But, you know, that's where they vent out into is into the uh, air cleaner. And then sometimes it gets, you know, if your bike's running, it'll get sometimes sucked back in um, and lubricate, you know, go back into the whatever, into the, uh, the intake or whatnot. But a lot of bikes have them. A lot of, like, inline fours and what people call, like, crotch rockets and stuff have it, too. Um, they're just vented into like an air box where Harleys have that air filter hanging out there on the side and, and some triumphs do and stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, when you're riding it and it's venting out into there, of course it gets blown. The wind going through blows it back onto your pants. You might want to check that your oil, if you have a, um, oil tank, you might want to check that like your little check valve or whatever the oil there's like there's like little I think there's like three little oil tubes on a dyna and they all have like a retainer and like a check valve or something on them and you might want to check that all those are all good because you might have like extra oil leaking in there and there was an excellent article actually on RevZilla uh, common tread and it was called the way it was, why Harley's leak or something like that. Um, I, I will put, I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, but it actually explains and it shows Harley. I think it's, uh, some of the old oil cleaner, um, like the jets and stuff and the screws that go in and and how they can get pitted or seat separately like a, um, you know, like a carved needle. Sometimes it won't, it directly like down in the hole how it's supposed to get cockeyed and fuel will get all over. Same thing with these oil bolts and stuff like that. So a little dirt gets in there or whatever. But anyway, it's an interesting article and uh, it explains to you why Harley's leak. They're designed to, you know what I mean? So um, the reason you get oil on your pants is that you might have a, it sounds like Larry rides quite a lot. So I don't think he's sitting and oils draining into his uh, e- engine and then he clicks it on and starts riding and it blows out. I think maybe he's got the opposite where he's got a lot of um, oil passing through the engine or whatnot. And, and uh, might want to check his rings. He might want to check his, um, if he's got a diner or whatever, he might want to check his little, um, the oil lines and all the retainers or not the retainers, the check valves and all that stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It's just something I heard that I was like, yeah, Harleys do spit oil right out the air filter. And if you take it off and look, you'll see the breather tubes right there. Uh, Something else that I wanted to talk about that I heard on loud pipes. They were talking about, uh, they were bummed that the Kawasaki Z1000SX isn't available in the USA and they were super bummed because um, it's like their new fully fared sport tour that debuted at, uh, I believe it was Icma or, uh, yeah, it wasn't Intermod. I think it was the EICMA, um or Intermod. Who the hell knows? I don't remember that far back. But um, I have good news for them is that it is available in the U.S. And I was just talking to uh, a listener of the show about this. It's called the Ninja 1000. And if you go to Kawasaki's website and you look at the Ninja 1000 from last year, luckily they have a little tab where you can switch back and forth. You'll see that it's totally different. And the new Ninja 1000 uh, matches right up to the pictures of the Z1000SX that were shown at Intermont. So that's interesting. Um, I think it was also the Loud Pipes that uh, got information that the Fat Bob was brand new and it's been out since 2006. So those poor guys... Who's ever feeding them their information (laughs) needs to get a kick in the ass. Um, So anyway, yeah, I, it's, it's one Oh seven things are falling apart here. I've already lost like so much audio. I I think I'm going to call an audible right here and say that I'm going to take a break from the show for a week as well and have myself a little new year's fun with the family. Um, Do some, more interaction with all you guys, everybody out there in uh, Wisconsin land and Minnesota and um, who else has reached out? Uh, I don't know. Everybody that's reached out where it's snowing. Hope you guys, um, I I don't think you can hear it right now, but it's dumping rain. (laughs) It's been raining for like the last three days. We need it. We're in a drought. You know, we've been in a drought for like 12 years, so we need all the rain we can get. But I'm feeling you not being able to ride and just having a reason to get out there and get in the garage and actually start working on stuff and wasting my hard-earned money. So, yeah, we're going to try – I'm going to try and get this um, computer back up and in shape before the next podcast comes out. I won't wait too long. I won't wait like a month or anything. Um, But, yeah, so we'll see you in a couple weeks. I hope you have. um, Merry Christmas hanukkah festivus and I'm gonna go ahead and get this edited and out before something else happens and goes wrong <laughs> so um yeah you guys don't forget that the mama tried show is coming up and don't forget that also if you're in the across the pond in the UK that the MCN show that I mentioned last week's coming up and don't forget also that the Ivy League flat track, the only round that's happening in San Diego this year, coming up in January. And uh, I'll put links in the show notes on our webpage also. So, yeah, check all that out, baby. Talk to you later. And if you could, do me a favor. Do me, do me a little Christmas favor. Head over to iTunes. Give us a little rating over there. doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Um, just, we want to know that you're listening and what you think. And if they're terrible, uh, we'll do our best to change your opinion of that or we'll get better. Please don't rate me on the audio right now. I know it's totally crap. This last, uh, few minutes here, the last like 15 minutes has been on, um, I'm I'm not in the studio. You guys, I was going to actually record while I was driving my car, but I decided not to do that, but I am using a much crummier mic. Um, so, don't rate me on on that. Come on. Come on, man. Give me a Christmas break here. But anyway, yeah, go over to iTunes, leave a review. Uh, leave a review in wherever you're getting your stuff the Google Play Store, iTunes, uh, shoot, Podbay. Uh, don't put me on the spot like this myself. Okay, dude. Well, then uh, quit talking. Okay, well, that was easy. Uh, anyway, yeah, thanks. And then uh, also, you can hit us up on. Uh, creative writing podcast at gmail.com check out our facebook page if you don't want to type all that in just go over to facebook.com forward slash um, creative writing podcast and there's a send an email link at the top of our facebook page so if you don't want to type all that in and go to another web browser just go to facebook click on that button it'll do it for you check us out on twitter at creative underscore writer and check us out on the web www.creative hyphen Writing, not writing, writing. com and creative hyphen writing. dot com. tumblr, not. dot co, not. dot uk, just. dot tumblr. All right, peace and grace, Send me your cash friends Creative writing and its associates and producer would like to apologize to the following people, places, organizations, things, and Martian territories. We are sorry to Phil and Warren and what the heck, Ken, over at Doghouse Two-Wheeled Radio. Sorry to Motorcycles and Misfits. Sorry to Krampus. We are sorry to Saturday Night Live. Sorry to Nitrous Chris and Michelle Mankiewicz. We apologize to Jake the Garden Snake socal norton club and the ride to the roses or the run to the roses i'm sorry about that we apologize to the san diego mods vs rockers pit pass radio des moines iowa sushi in des moines iowa tony wink scott casper pj duran and all the cast and crew over at pit pass moto weekly we're sorry to brad baker fans choice oliver brinley mark marquez tony elias alex marquez and anybody else that we mentioned, we are sorry to Deus X Machina, Machina, Bike Xf, Indian Harley Davidson, the AMA, American Flat Track, and American Flat Track Productions, the Super Prestigio, and um Happy New Year. Why we? I, I hope he leaves all his potatoes and sexually transmitted diseases over there Do, oh am i alive oh my god i geez, i didn't edit that out oh my god so embarrassed and we're gonna hit the sorry list right now am- shit fuck party poopy shit butt fuck shit fuck butt fucker motherfucker shit uh, fuck whether 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 or not you love this edit i'm gonna edit this out for the time being All right, so jumping back into uh, American Flat Track. Oh boy, I hope I'm not losing audio right now. I hope you hear the end of this lovely story.